open us in prayer. Um, I want us to just, uh, as we get started tonight uh, in God's Word, let us uh, remember our pastor and his wife, um, and and let us as a, as a church rally around them in, in prayer as we open up uh, to spend uh, a little time in God's Word. Lord, I thank you again for uh, bringing us uh, here in this place as a, as a body of believers tonight. Um, as we gather together, our pastor and his wife, um, Lord, you know they have been now for quite a few years um, battling, um, battling this cancer. Um, Lord, I would ask that you would uh, lift them up, give them strength. Now, um, for Donna, uh, we would ask that you would um, touch her. Lord, uh, I would continue to ask for healing for her, for all those who are sick. Uh, among us as a body of believers, I would ask that you would heal each and every one, Lord. Um, but if it be, uh, if it be for your plan, for your purposes, that healing does not come, uh, then we ask that you would uh, strengthen those who remain, Lord. That we could uh, that we could rejoice because we know that death is not the end for us. We have a confident assurance that Christ was raised from the dead, and as He was raised from the dead, He was the first of a great. Harvest that we as believers uh, will be a part of, and and Lord, so oftentimes in this struggle in this life, as we see those around us hurting and those around us uh, battling with various illnesses, uh, so oftentimes we find ourselves questioning, uh, Lord, what's going what's going on there? Uh, as we see these things, I would uh, just ask that as Believers, you would help us to see that the things that we see in this world that are not quite right are to reveal to us, Lord, that this is not our final home. Lord, that we have an eternity before us. And if we have nothing but pain in this life and it were to lead us to the feet of Christ on the cross, then we will enjoy His presence for eternity, Lord. And in eternity, what great perspective we will gain as we worship the One who led us down hard roads, carried us down trying paths uh, that we could be brought home to Him. Um, Lord, so uh, as our brother and sister in Christ struggle tonight. And I could tell from the call out this morning that they were battling. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would refine them, and that as they live faithfully for you, that those who do not know you could see you more clearly because they have within them a light that shines through broken and battered vessels. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Make yourself known to a world who needs you more than healing. It's in Christ's name, Lord, that I ask you to lead us in the Scriptures tonight. It's for your glory in all that we do. Amen.
So if you would um, turn with me now to Romans chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8. So I'll give you a moment to get there. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 just to kind of get us in a frame of mind as we start digging down through the verses that we're going to uh, cover tonight. Let us be reminded as well uh, that we have now uh, worked tirelessly through 11 chapters of the gospel so that now in chapter 12 on through the end we could begin to see how the truth of this gospel rooted deeply in us as believers plays out in very practical ways as we walk day to day in this in this world so that's how Paul begins his appeal uh, to us as believers in chapter 12 verse 1 he says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship others other translations of this will say your rational service or your reasonable service here we're going to talk about service tonight, so I wanted to kind of make that distinction, this idea of worship, and I, and I like the idea of worship being somewhat muddied with the idea of service, right? I like the fact that, that, that we get some translations that will say spiritual worship, and here are some translations that will speak of service, because what I want us to understand as believers is that we worship God in the way that we live our lives. And we are here as the church called into service. Service for one another and service to a world that is lost and dying without the hope that we have found in Christ or rather that has found us at the cross. So, verse 2, do not be conformed. This is where we were last week as we began our study further. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. We spoke last week of not thinking that this means that we should not be a part of the world, or that we should not be a part of the culture in which we have been born, because it would be crazy to think that you could somehow live without coming in contact with the world. If that were to be the, the, the way that it should be done, why instead of leaving us here would God not have just removed us? And we kind of explored the idea that God has not called you to pull you out and pluck you out and keep you isolated, but to pull you out, change you, send you in as a light in the darkness. So we now living not conformed to the ways or the sinful practices of this world are being transformed. How are we being transformed? We talked about that last week. Our hearts are changed. Church, God has, when we first placed our faith in Him, changed our hearts. And now we're being sanctified as we live this life and we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? So I want us to understand that the way that we think is critical. This is why pastor after pastor, preacher after preacher, teacher after teacher will tell you as individuals, spend time in the Word of God. Spend 
time in personal study because you will not be transformed, renewed in your thinking. You will not think heavenly if all you are doing is consuming worldly things. If you spend your time plugged into a television or into a phone and you neglect God's Word... Do you think that your mind will be transformed to walk in holiness? In no way should we think that that would be the case. As I stand here, I think, Lord, what can I do? Like, what's the best way that I can approach this that they would actually be changed? Do you think that if you just come to a church service once, twice, maybe three times a week, that that itself is going to change you? You must spend time with your Savior in prayer and in faithful study. In the Word of God. And I pray that I can show you how I do it. But if I just show you how I do it and I keep doing it, what what good is that going to do for you? So we're transformed, we're renewed by knowing God more. By spending time with Him. And though that sounds so simple, you say it's so simple, it couldn't, it couldn't work like that, could it? Spend time in God's Word. Spend time with Him and see if it doesn't transform you. Spend time with other believers. Let your conversations revolve around this book instead of the latest gossip and see what happens. See what God's Spirit does in you when you live that way. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3. I'm kind of, seems like I'm getting a little bit of feedback here. Could you cut me down just maybe a smidge, Dennis? Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. I want us to think for a little bit, kind of place in our minds this idea of for by the grace given. Why is it that we are here? Is it not by God's grace that we are here? Why is it that we believe? Is it not by God's grace that we believe? Is it not by grace alone? In the work of Christ alone? In our faith in that that has sealed us? Then shall our service come from another place than this? For by the grace given to me. So this is Paul speaking here. And as he's speaking... He's speaking not of his own self, not of his own authority. He's resting, relying on the grace given to him by who? By Christ. Where do you think we're going to find where we should rest? Where do you think that we're going to find our service should be directed towards and directed out of? The grace of God, maybe? 
Let's press on into this idea. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, think not of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, I want us to see this as we dig into this verse 3 here. I want us to see how to think, how not to think, and how it is that we come to thinking in this way. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. What is Paul trying to tell us here? So I want us to picture, we've got the gospel behind us pouring forth into practical living. Right? Pouring forth into into how do we live this Christian life that we now hold to. Renew your mind. Renew the way that you think. Let God's Word be poured into you so that it would flow out of you. Don't think too highly of yourself. What is he saying here? Be humble. This is good. Be humble. What is he not saying here? So, yeah, clearly he's not telling us to be prideful, but I want us to get something. When he says not to think too highly of yourself, he does not mean to degrade and demean who you are. Right? He's not saying that you should walk around with your head set low. He doesn't say, think poorly of yourself. He wants you to think rightly of who you are in Christ. And here, there's, some, there's so much that, that we could spend time here that we're just not going to be able to. But, but how often is it that we are so fearful of taking any kind of steps, doing any act of service, because we don't know if we can. We don't feel that we're qualified. We don't know that we're ready. You don't think too highly of yourself. You think too low. You don't think that you're ready. You don't think that you're good enough. You don't think that you're qualified. Many times our problem with the majority of the church is not high thinking. I want to, I want to tell you the, and I want to be honest with you. The place where the high thinking comes is here. As I stand before you, the battle that I struggle, the battle that I fight, is a battle of pride, a battle of thinking too highly of myself. That if y'all all just think as I think, then we'd work quite all right. If y'all just live as I live, then it would be okay. So I, I fight this battle of thinking too highly of myself. So I think, well, I've got to do everything because there's nobody that can do that as good as me. So if I were to not do that, if I were to let someone else do that, then it wouldn't get done right. I think too highly of me. But many of you are too afraid to do anything because you don't think highly enough of yourself. L- let us let us poll the audience. How many of you feel... That God has gifted you in some way. Leave them up. Leave them up. Alright, look around. Look around. 
Okay? Now, hands down. How many of you, and I want you to be honest with me, right? How many of you feel like, I don't, I don't know that there's, I, here's the thing, you might not have identified it yet. And if that's you, raise your hand. I don't know what it is that I've been gifted with. Right? So, so a couple. So those of you who raised your hand saying, I know that, I know that I've been gifted in a particular area, are you being used there? Are you, are you, is that an avenue that God has identified in you and you are active in service through that gift? How many of you had the gifts? Raise your hands. Y'all saw who had their hands up. Now, how many of you are likewise using said gift? Okay. So there were some hands that didn't go up there. Now, I want us to ask ourselves why. Why is it that we feel we have particular gifts that we're not using them? Do we feel as there, there's no place for that in the body of Christ? I think oftentimes we may, right? I think if we don't find ourselves falling in a couple of categories, we think, well, I don't know that my gift's usable in church, right? Here's what I want to tell you, is that if you are a follower of Christ, He has gifted you for service, There is no exception to that. If you have placed your faith in Christ, you have been joined with the body of Christ. You are to be used in the service of Christ and the service of your brothers and sisters in Christ. There is no exemption from this. To be a part of Christ is to be a part of His church. To be a part of Christ is to be a part of the body of Christ. We work together or we do not work at all. Do you understand this, church? Do we know this? That you've been joined together with Christ. Together with Christ. Brothers and sisters of Christ, the body of Christ, you have been gifted and you are called to service. So don't think too highly of yourself as he opens up there, but he's not saying think poorly of yourselves. Instead, he says, but think with sober judgment. So don't think low of yourself. Think soberly of yourself. Think correctly of yourself. You are a child of God if you've placed your faith in Him. He has made you. Do you get that? You have been crafted by the hand of God, called from darkness to light, placed into the body where He saw fit to place you. Where He saw fit. Don't think too lowly of yourselves. He has placed you. Think soberly. You cannot do it all. But you can do something. Right? Where do you fit? Pray and seek that out. Because you fit somewhere. 
right? You fit somewhere. I want us to get that. I want us to understand that there's none of us left out in serving one another. Right? I want you to understand that, that whenever I stand up here before you, I stand up here saying, Lord, how can I serve them? As I spend time and study, Lord, how can I serve them? Like, here's the thing. I'm standing up here because I believe this is my gift and my calling. Am I perfect in it? No. But I think that I know enough about what God is doing in me to know how to be used by Him. Which is why I can stand here and I know that this is going to have an effect on someone. Because God is faithful. By the grace given to Paul, by the grace given to me, by the grace given to you, by the grace given to us, we serve one another. Knowing that it will have fruitful work. Without a doubt in our minds. Because God is faithful. And He is working. But think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Where does our faith come from? Where does our faith come from? Where? When your faith increases, where does the increase come from? And now I want y'all to get for a moment that if we were a couple of chapters back and I asked you that question in that way, that you would be hesitant about it, right? Let's read it again. According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Do you want more faith? Seek Him. Seek Him. Renew your mind. See if He does not pour out. See if He does not assign more. But you are not going to muster faith from within yourself. And you are not going to do it by chasing after any other way or any other path than the one He has set for us. And as we seek, as we renew, as we are transformed, He gives the increase, increase of faith within us. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members of one another. Now we're going to spend a little bit of effort digging into this. So we get we're getting an analogy here that's going to give us an understanding of what it is that we're doing here as believers, how that plays out in our lives, in this community that we are a part of, this thing that we call the church. 
We're going to get an idea. Now here's the thing that I want to point you towards first is that as Paul opens up the practical aspect of living the Christian life, do not let it pass you by that he starts off by telling you to be humble and then telling you you're a part of something. Right? You do not live your Christian life apart from the church. Can I tell you that? Can you hear me? You will not live a fruitful Christian life apart from fellowship with fellow believers in Christ. If you tell me my wife is ugly, do you know what I'm going to do to you? Do you think we're going to be in good standing? You better hope that God assigns a little more faith. If you tell me that you don't like hanging out with my wife, do you think that we're hanging out together? Yet how often times do we hear it said, Lord, let it not be said amongst us, I'm for Jesus, but I, I could do without the church. We are friends we are the bride of Christ. Be very, very careful in the way that you speak about the bride of Christ. Because if you wouldn't want to talk about my wife to my face, then watch out if you think that you're going to do so with the one who holds galaxies together. You are the church. You live together. You die together. You worship together. You serve together for eternity. You will be together. If you got issues amongst you, work them out. You hear me? If you got issues, work them out. Look at you brothers and sisters in the pews. You're going to be seeing those faces for a long, 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 long time. So if you... I don't think that there's any among you who thinks that you're going to be like that 10,000 years from now. And that's why the question I bring up is, well, why now? Right? Why would we have any of this animosity or... Or any kind of angst or any kind of, you know, issues like that here. Why do we think that we could not work through them now, right? As he starts telling us how the gospel applies practically to us in Christian living, he starts with the church. It's centered in the body of Christ. If you think that you will live your life without any significant influence into the church and the church into your life, then you are being foolish. You cannot, as a believer, live a faithful Christian life apart from the church. You cannot. I need you. You need me. We need each other. 
We were called and joined together in Christ and in one another. For as one body, we have many members, and the members, this is verse 4, and the members do not all have the same function. You are not all preachers. You are not all teachers. You are not all deacons. Let's list a couple of other things that you could think of. You don't all clean floors, right? You don't all do the books. You're not all going to stand up here. You're not all going to take up offering. That's okay. You have your place. Find it. Be faithful in it. Do not judge your life by mine. Do not judge the successful use of your gifting by me. Or by anyone else. Because our jobs, our calling are not the same. Our gifts are not all the same. Dustin, when you stand here and preach, if I see you trying to mimic me, in anything except for godly ways, don't! Shane, the same. Kobe, the same. Any preacher... Don't be you. Be you. Nobody else can. Right? Nobody else can be you. That's a beautiful thing. You have a special place in the calling and purpose of God for this church if you are here. And if you are not using your calling, we are hurting. Do you hear me? If you are not using your gift, we are hurting. The body of Christ is hurting. You are not all mouths. You are not all feet. You are not all hands. But I can assure you that in the wise counsels of God, He has assembled a body together. And not a room full of feet. Because that would be, well, that would be foolish, wouldn't it? And he's not assembled a room full of mouths. Because who would listen if we were all talking? God has placed you in His wisdom where you are to be used. To be useful. You are part of the body. You have a use. You are not some leftover vestigial of evolution that's no longer needed anymore. The church hasn't evolved away from your gift and your calling. God has a use for you here. Be useful. For as one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. How many bodies are we, church? How many? Are there two bodies here? Do we have two bodies here? I don't know that I heard you. Do we have two bodies here? How many bodies do we have here? 
So if we were to be living as though we were two, do you think either would be effective? Do you think either could be fully effective in its service towards the kingdom? So as you, as members of this body, are living out your lives, do you know what divisions do? When we separate ourselves, whether it be mentally, like I don't like that whole little crowd over there and the way they do things, or whether it be spatially, like I'm just not going to be in the same place as them. Do you know what we're saying there? Is that we are more than one body here. Right? We are more than one body. And here's the thing, is that you will not, a church will not be effective for the kingdom if one leg's attached over here to a, a torso and another leg's attached over here. We are together pressing forward for the glory of our Savior. Or we are to the world the foolishness that they have claimed the church to be. Who are we in? How is it that this can be said? How is it that we are one body? Are we one body in a particular preacher? Are we one body in a particular teacher? Are we one body in a particular classroom? A particular age set? Are we? How do we divide ourselves? How do we separate ourselves? Like I want us to be real as we consider these things. Right? I want us to be real in this. How? Because uh, I wonder. I wonder. How many of our youth are going to grow up and never know the generation before them that they served with in church for ages? And I want to tell you, it's not Kobe's responsibility first and foremost to cross the pews, seniors. Middle-aged. My aged. Who's going to take the first step here? Or, or will we be multiple bodies and think, Foolishly that we're going to be effective. Are we one body? In who? Not divided on age. Not divided on income. Not divided on our favorite preacher or teacher among us. We are one body in whose name? In Christ alone. And if ever we find ourselves dangerously on the edge of following a man whose name is not Jesus, who is not the Christ, then we had better be brought in check quickly. And that won't happen if we're not being renewed in our minds. That won't happen if we're not digging into God's Word. That will not happen if we're worried more about what we're going to watch on TV when we get home than what we're doing in the classes or what we're doing when we open God's Word in preaching.
and individually members of one another. Whoa. You are the body of Christ, but He doesn't just leave it there, right? Like church is a very personal, a very real thing. You are members of one another, right? That's why I say that if you're not using your gift, we are hurting. I am hurting. Because we are members, not of some weirdly, like, mystical body of Christ with air quotes. We're members of one another. So when we fail in our service to Christ, in using the gifts that He has given us, we're failing in service to one another. That should weigh heavy on us, right? If we find ourselves, and here's the thing, like when you find yourself weary from serving, you should see your brothers and sisters here. And that should encourage you to press on. Because I don't serve for some unobjective abstract idea of the church. I've not been called to preach to that. I've been called to preach to you. So in my preparations and in my prayers, I don't pray for some abstract thing that is the church. I pray for you. As I serve, I serve for you. As you serve, you serve for one another. You are members of one another, church. You are members of one another. Now, in verse 6, having gifts. Now, here's what I want to point out quickly. It doesn't say if you have gifts. Right? This is, not say, this is not saying if one day you stumble upon your gift. You have gifts. You have a place. If you don't know it, it's because you, up to this moment, have not sought hard enough to find it. That's the truth. That's the truth. You have a place. God did not accidentally call you to Himself. He did not accidentally join you in some random part of the body of Christ. He's joined you where He wants to use you. And He will use you. He will use you. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So where do our gifts come from? God. So if I stand here... And I don't preach from the grace given to me, then I will fail. And if I try to step into an area of service that His grace has not led me, I will fail. But if we, renewed in mind, hearts set on Christ, are shown by Him, where we serve, and we serve 
with the grace given to us, do you think that we will fail? You would be foolish to think that he has wasted grace. He has not, friend. He has not wasted the grace. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Can I, can I say this a couple of times? Having gifts, let us use them. Friend, if you're in a place where you're not using it, use it. If you're in a place where you don't know, ask. We're the body together, you know? Like, ask one of your members, like, hey man, do you see anything good in me? Like, do you see any gifting in me? And I guarantee you, it will take no time at all for us to find where you fit among us. It will take no time at all. Because if we're living together, we know one another. We know the strengths. We know the weaknesses. And we should be looking out for one another in the weaknesses and encouraging one another in the areas that we've been called to serve. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are a handful of places that you may fall. Your gifting may be somewhere in these areas, but this is by no means an exhaustive list of places that you can serve. But where you serve, and the purpose, and Paul giving this list in the way that he does, is to say where you've been called to serve, do not hold back. Do it with all that you have. That we would grow weary from service. That we would grow weary, because I believe as we step tired into that next step what we will find is that he fills our faith and he gives us the grace that we need to carry on do you believe that church together do you believe that if you're serving press on if you're searching find some good counsel If you know where you're gifted and you are not, friend, we need you. Do you hear me? We need you. All of us. Let us pray. Lord, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for what you have done in Christ. I want to thank you for your word. Lord, I want to thank you for your church. I want to thank you. Lord, I stand here in your grace. By the grace given to me by you. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit might move. 
that you would encourage those who need encouraging, that you would show those who are now seeking where they might be used, and that you would burden those who are not using the gifts that you have given them. Lord, that they might be renewed, that they might be restored, that they might be encouraged so that we as the body of Christ might be encouraged by them. Lord, you know the hearts of your people. Do your thing as you are always faithful to do. It's in Christ's name, for His glory. Amen.